Eagles Entertainment. Everything that move, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. Go. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's regular day, and we're giving you one more Eagles Niners preview as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 499. At the top of today's show, we've got three and out where I chat with my buddy Ross Tucker. Some big items to discuss here, getting ready for Eagles 49ers. We're going to talk on both sides of the football, some things to watch here going into this game. Then we've got Faux Focus, where Eric Crocker from the Locked On 49ers podcast, he's going to join me to talk about Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Bosa, the, this entire 49ers roster, and talk about what are the strengths and weaknesses and what are they most worried about going into this game from the San Francisco point of view. We've got a lot of extra analysis from the Eagles game plan crew, so you'll hear from Greg Cosell and Mike Quick and Ike Reese and John Clark as well at the end of the program. Now, before we get there, as always, rate, review, subscribe. If you've got a question, leave it in our Apple podcast page. We will answer it here in an upcoming episode. We will get to one of those questions here with Ross Tucker. But before we get to three and out, I always want to go over to tape study. Whenever we've got a coach in studio for Eagles game plan, I always save a bunch of questions and answers uh, that would fit for a podcast platform and squeeze them in here. I caught up with Eagles pass game coordinator Kevin Petullo to talk about Jalen Hurts and his five touchdown performance, some of the things that he saw from him in this game. Let's go to that clip right now. I want to take a look at three big throws from Jalen Hurts in this game. And there's a lot we to pick from here, but we'll start with the touchdown to Devontae Smith. A lot of layers to this play that made it go. Yeah, absolutely. So this first play right here, you know, this is a look that we've been in quite a bit in this game and other games where we have three receivers detached and we're trying to sell that we're running some kind of bubble, okay, with some kind of motion. And so over time, what happens throughout the season, these plays start to add up. We disguise them. We're throwing bubbles. Because a lot of times we're trying to get out of a bad run or a bad box count or a bad play in general. Mm. So when that happens, the defenders start to really attack downhill. And you can see right here just kind of what happened before the play even develops. They feel screen. They feel that quick bubble happening. So they're attacking. If you go back a little bit, you kind of see how this whole play starts, right? So what he does is we get a little bit of a fake here on the bubble by Julio, a little bit of a pump. And this play happens, you know, you're not going to call this play three times in a game. This is kind of coming up over time. Hey, coach, they're attacking the bubbles. We start to see it. We're throwing bubbles to get out of bad runs. Then all of a sudden, this play pops up in this position. Yeah, and then with it being a middle of the field open coverage in Tampa 2, he's got to get it up over this backer, too. you got to be aware that he's not sinking too much with that. Correct. This is a great job by Jalen. A great ball. He throws it high away from the Tampa player and away from this backside safety. We're trying to hold him, but ultimately, he will work across. It's in a perfect spot. Devontae makes the play, and it's really well executed by everybody. It's not just Jalen. Really, everybody executed that play. Yeah, the placement allowed Devontae to really brace for contact here. He talked about that after the game, that if that's a little bit out in front, he's taking a shot right in his face, and now he's got that ability to brace for contact. Correct. Once Jalen identifies the coverage, he's able to place the ball where he needs to. His one problem is the backside safety, and he does a good job right there. All right, so that was Jalen's second touchdown of the game. Let's take a look at his third one, and this one maybe the most impressive of the night, and that was the touchdown to Olamide Zacchaeus to take the lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so right here it was a third and 15, right, and we're in field goal range essentially, so we can't take a sack. we got to make something positive happen here, see if we can convert the third down or get a closer range where possibly everybody knows we like to go for it, right? So if we get even closer, we may go for it. So in this case, you know, we may not have the perfect play on the perfect coverage, This obviously turns into a scramble play. And really what happens with most great offenses 
is it's a scramble play. You know, us, the Chiefs, all these big-time offenses, even Buffalo. When the quarterback gets on the move, it's really important that the receivers pay attention to where he's scrambling and make a play happen like this. So, take us through. Obviously, the first read is not there. The defender dropped right into the pass lane. So, once he breaks left, what are the coaching points for these guys on that side? So, really, once the quarterback breaks contain, he starts to work this way, right? All these guys are taught to find space. So they're going to run their initial routes. So Kenny's the short guy. OZ's already the deep guy. So then Devontae has to find the next spot. Okay, and as it starts to string out even more this play, you can see they actually do a pretty good job of covering this. They cover this pretty well. Kenny's trying to find more work. He's trying to work back inside, but Devontae's already there. So now what OZ does a great job of, he starts to realize that, okay, there's somebody, a defender on my back. If I go deep, there's a lot of space here. And we try to teach everybody one deep, one on the sideline, and one working across. OZ feels this, right? And he takes off deep as soon as Jalen pulls up. Now, Jalen knows, right? As soon as a defender turns his back, he has no idea where this ball is. So he turns his back. As soon as Jalen feels that, he lets it go to the back of the end zone, throws a safe ball away from the defender. So it's, it's OZ's catch or nobody's catch, right? And 23 cannot find the ball, can't locate it. And OZ makes an unbelievable catch that hangs on to this. This is a hard catch, right? So this is yep. something we practice all the time in our catch circuit, right? When you have a ball that you have to catch and the defender is trying to knock it out through your arms, that is a extremely difficult catch, something we rep all the time. Great play by OZ, he tries to get to his back to make sure he secures the catch so it doesn't bounce out. But really, it takes everybody on this one because everybody has to be in, in line with Jalen when he starts to scramble right here. As soon as it turns to scramble, start to work. There goes Devontae. And like I said, these are the plays that don't get kind of noticed. We work on this all the time in practice, yep. scramble drill. I mean, we actually designate one play a day for a scramble for this reason because you get big plays off this when you need them. And OZ, not a guy that's been highly targeted in the offense. So when his number is called, steps up to the occasion and makes one of the biggest plays of the game. He has. He's made two this year. You know, <laughs> Tampa, obviously, and this one. Huge plays on both scrambles. All right, let's go to overtime now. A deep completion to Devontae Smith. And well, this is a play we saw earlier in the game work against a similar coverage. And this one comes up huge in clutch time. Yeah, so right here, you know, we got kind of a shell coverage early on. So Jalen sees this. The corner, they were kind of doing this all game, mixing this up. The corner now is playing a little more of a press technique on AJ. So once this play starts to develop, he knows right now, Jalen, that, okay, it's some kind of middle open coverage. We're playing some kind of quarters. So, you know, they all have their deep fourth, but he's playing more of a man technique. So with this concept right here, AJ has a post. Now Devontae's job is to work up the hash at 10 to 12, stick the route and work across to about 20 over here on the numbers. Now, when you watch this thing thrown, this is a trust throw. He is throwing it on rhythm, saying, Devonta, you get to your spot. I will throw it early. You work across flat, but you have to protect the throw. So if Devonte worked upfield at all and the cornerback actually fell off on this one and so did the safety, this could be an interception. But obviously we trust Devonte. So does Jalen. And he does the perfect job of working flat down the line, protects the throw, catches it out in front. It's a huge play in overtime. You know, last question for you. Just, you know, and it's ironic because the Eagles are getting ready to play a Kyle Shanahan offense. I remember watching them in Washington, and so many of those post-cross combinations came against single high where mm -hmm. uh, everybody's geared up against the run, and it can be a little bit more of a defined throw, but in a cloud coverage or a middle field open where there's more bodies out there, how hard is it for Jalen to be able to kind of say, I have to trust that this throw is going to be available to me. Well, you do. You have to understand where that safety's playing. And right there in that case, with AJ working the post, knowing that the corner is going to latch and play man, you're taking two guys out of the coverage. So really, it's just Devontae's job to beat the backside safety across and find that space. And with the guard pull, we get the linebackers to work up in the action, and there's a huge gap in the coverage.
Always great catching up with Coach Patullo, and this breakdown this week was particularly outstanding. It was a a longer segment than normal for uh, Eagles Game Plan, so make sure you go check it out. Uh, When Eagles Game Plan gets posted on Saturday over on the Eagles YouTube page, go and check that out. appreciate everybody that watches that show every single week. That said, let's get to Ross Tucker. It's time now for 3 and Out. How about this for a start? They've got him again! What a defensive stop. Slay's second pick of the game. Oh, I'm going to have to call him big play. And this defense does the job. One, two, three and out. All right, back again here for three and out. My friend Ross Tucker as we talk through some uh, hot topics going into this game against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, San Francisco's uh, been looking forward to this game for 11 months here, Ross. Uh, a lot to chew on here for this matchup. And th- look, the big thing on their mind, right? They they talked about how they feel cheated because they did not have uh, an extra quarterback for that game and, and felt like once Purdy was out, uh, Josh Johnson got hurt. And, and then that was that for that team. Now, I want to take a look at, at Brock Purdy and also take a look at some of the similarities, I think, between what the Eagles are going to face here with this 49ers offense versus some of the offenses they've seen so far this year, namely with Miami and also with the LA Rams as well. And I think when you look at the Miami Dolphins and you say, okay, you know, to a tongue of Iloa operating a highly schemed offense, much like what we've seen here with Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan, uh, the Eagles did a really good job limiting uh, to a tongue of Iloa and limiting Tyree kill, limiting the yards after catch. It was, that was one of the best defensive games for the Eagles that this season. I think the big thing to keep in mind, Miami's got the fastest time to throw. You know, to his, his time to throw, the ball comes out of his hands super, super fast. Number one in the NFL, even up to this point. Brock Purdy, he's high up on that list, but he's outside, just outside the top 10. Uh, 60% of Purdy's throws take longer than two and a half seconds, according to next-gen stats. That's ninth in the league, right? So he's certainly, like, in the upper half, but not as high as Tua Tungavailoa. So the ball does not come out quite as fast. Now, that said... This is still a very highly schemed offense. 46.4% of Brock Purdy's throws go to what what next-gen stats would qualify as open receivers. Uh, Wide open, 22.6%. That's in the top 10 of the NFL. So he's in the top five in open receivers, top 10 in wide open receivers, uh, in throws in rhythm, according to next-gen stats, where basically the ball comes out in under four seconds, 50.5% of his throws. That's fifth in the NFL. This is a team that leads the NFL in yards after catch per reception. So a lot of these yards for Brock Purdy come with the playmakers, with the ball in the playmakers' hands. So, I think when you look at it, Ross, uh, and I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts on it, how do you compare uh, this Miami offense to this one that the Eagles are going to see uh, here this week, and how would you compare Tua to Brock Purdy based off what you've seen so far uh, just even this season? Well, so the first thing is, and, and I think a lot of our listeners know this, but just to kind of hammer it home, right, Sean McVay with the Rams, Mike McDaniel with the Dolphins, as well as Kyle Shannon, they were all together in Washington at one point. And so they are, they kind of come from the same sort of tree, the Shanahan tree, if you will. They all really believe in the run game, the zone running game, and some of the play actions and boot action you can get off of it. And I think what's encouraging to me about that, Fran, is not only did the Eagles fare pretty well against the Dolphins, but with, I guess, the exception of the first drive or maybe the first couple drives, certainly in the second half against the Rams, they really shut them down. Yeah, And that was Cooper Cup's first game back, and Nakua was going crazy. So I would say that's highly encouraging when you compare and contrast it to some of the other times where the Eagles have not fared as well against Sam Howe 
or against Dak Prescott, you know, they, they have fared pretty well against sort of the, the Shanahan tree. Um, I think that there's a lot of similarities, especially between the Dolphins and the Niners. I think the Rams do some things a little bit differently, but there are a lot of similarities. More than people realize, it is based on the run game. I think that the Niners are significantly better at tight end and at running back out of the backfield. I think that's kind of the difference there where I feel like for the Dolphins, the passing game is heavy, heavily weighted towards Waddle and Hill. And certainly the Niners have that at their disposal with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. I think what makes the Niners different and maybe better, and we know McCaffrey's a great player, but the Dolphins' running backs are good running backs too. Mostert and Achan, they're not McCaffrey out of the backfield. And they don't have George Kittle. So I think that's the element that puts the Niners a notch above is having those complementary pieces in the passing game that can really, really hurt you as well. Yeah, you know, one thing we talked about coming going into that Miami game was, all right, like if the Eagles are able to get Tua Tungavailo off that first read, that's where things really drop off for that Dolphins pass game. And I think the big difference here with uh, with Brock Purdy and with the 49ers is is that if you're if you look to take away that first read from Brock Purdy, not only is he a guy that will you know get through his progressions and find you know whatever that next read is at the intermediate area, but also he is, has been willing to uh, cut it loose against tighter coverage as well. You know, I cited some of those numbers about like open percentage and wide open percentage uh that's all stuff that's like within the structure of the play but when you start to get into like um you know all right late in the down he's got to try and make a throw uh he is both and you know we can pick and pick me we can nitpick these stats here these metrics from from uh from pro football focus but if you just look at like their big time throw percentage which essentially is like all right like throwing into tight windows and, and those kind of things and also turnover worthy plays right which is our opposite side of the spectrum uh hey you know what this is a guy that's making big time throws in a tight coverage. This is a guy who's putting the ball in harm's way. Brock Purdy is in the top five in both. So this is a guy that is, you know, he's he's going to throw it into tight coverage if you put him in that situation. So uh, I think if you're the Eagles, number one, uh, this is not like Tua where, all right, like you take that first read away and he's going to run around and, and, and create a negative play or he's just going to dump it off. Uh, I think when you look at Purdy, he has shown that he is willing to hang tight in the pocket and take a hit and try and wait for one of those big plays to happen. He's also been pretty elusive. Uh, if you look at one, that one number from PFF I really like is the pressure to sack uh, percentage just because that's that's not a uh, there's not a lot of black and white there. It's like, all right, you're pressured. Are you able to uh, get out of that pressure and prevent a sack? And that's a, a really good sign. If you look at like the, uh, the 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 top rankings there in that stat, it's usually like a who's who at quarterback. Number one in the NFL this year among starting quarterbacks is Patrick Mahomes. Number two is Josh Allen. Uh, number three, Jared Goff. Four is, J- is Justin Herbert. Fifth on that list is Brock Purdy, and I think that that's a, that shows that this is a guy that has that ability to wiggle out of pressure and find a way to be able to get the ball out to one of those playmakers. And so uh, while our, I think there are similarities to what the Eagles saw against the Dolphins, uh, I think that both the film and the numbers show that he, the, the, this quarterback and this scheme has a little bit more than that. Uh, so the Eagles will, you know, certainly will have their hands full. It will be a big test from that element here uh, on Sunday. Um, what's number to- topic number two for you? Um, I want to just talk about the importance of depth, you know, I yeah. mean, and, 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 and the play of backups, you know, we're watching that game Fran last Sunday against the Buffalo bills. And some of these guys might need to get a lot of playing time this Sunday again against the Niners. We shall see, 
But Jack Driscoll, it's well documented, you know, the Eagles' success with Lane Johnson. We all know how great of a player Lane Johnson is. And to say I was concerned after Driscoll got beat inside clean on the first play would be an understatement. Yep. But he really settled in. And I and I thought held his own after that. I don't know. I think he's maybe at 18 starts now in his career in year four. I think by the end of year four for me, Fran. I had 24 or 25 starts, so I can relate to what yep. Driscoll's done, primarily at tackle for him, although he does have some starts at guard. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, well, I'll, I'll give one more on offense. Jack Stoll, you know, mm. I mean, he did some really solid things as a blocker, and I think the Bills were almost caught off guard on the one boot action where they threw the ball to Stoll, and not only does he catch the ball and get the first down, he stiff arms a guy to the ground and gets extra yardage out of it. You know, these are the type of guys that nobody talks about on Sports Talk Radio. Nobody talks about other than me and you during August, <laughs> during the preseason games or whatever. But these guys make a difference between winning and losing, right? I mean, you see other teams, Fran, where a backup tackle comes in and they're toast. Like they, they're, they're toast. They, they can't operate. That guy struggles. They spend the whole time. The whole offense now is trying to protect him with slide to him or chips. They don't get backs out. They don't get tight ends out. They're, they're, the other side of the line is one-on-one -on -one every play, and they struggle and melt under the pressure. Whereas the Eagles, you know, they invest a lot in making sure that they have depth and quality backups. And so, those are guys that jumped out to me on offense. And then on defense, you know, Christian Ellis, I thought came in and did some positive things. Now, there were some times where I thought, you know, he was maybe a little bit overly aggressive. And I'm I'm curious if he ends up going again against the Niners, if Kyle Shanahan will try to target him a little bit and use some of that aggression against him. But he made some plays. You know, he made some plays they needed him to. Uh, Marlon Tui-Pelotu gave them some really good snaps, which they needed with Fletcher Cox out. I mean, you start to think yep. about the volume of snaps for Redick and Sweat and then the two young dogs in Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter. But Tui-Pelotu gave them some quality snaps. Those snaps matter. Like, you, like, there's not a single snap of somebody inside the white lines during an NFL game that that doesn't matter. And I just feel like we need to talk about that a little bit because they don't they, they don't win that game without the contributions of those guys and those guys playing at a high of, high enough of a level that they weren't a big reason why the Eagles lost. You know, it's interesting because Greg and I talked about this earlier in the week. Greg asked me about like the defensive rotations. You know, you see uh, Bradley Roby get the majority of slot snaps. But when they go into third down or they go into dime, then Eli Ricks comes in as the uh, as the nickel corner. Right. And, and we've seen the, the rotation at linebacker when Nicobe Dean was healthy. You know, all three of those guys were playing almost like every other series kind of situation. We've seen the the uh, sometimes by necessity, but we've seen the rotations in the uh, in the rest of the secondary as well outside at corner. Uh, and sometimes it's safety. So, um, you know, he asked, like, is that by design? Like, what's the thought process there? And I do think, like, 
look, depth is extremely important. Uh, and it's also just a, a good way to get some of these young guys reps. If you think like, hey, you know what? Like, we're going to need these guys. Uh, and to your point, I think that that's a, a very important part uh, of this defense, certainly uh, this defense moving forward. And then you want to be able to have those guys offensively uh, ready to go as well. And that's the thing with Driscoll is that, you know, he is, I believe he's gotten starts at uh, two or three different spots and he's played pretty sure in game at four different spots along the offensive line. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot. I mean, that's not easy to do. Yep. And he didn't know he was going to start until I guess midway through the day. And that's kind of the job yep. of a backup. And, you know, I, I, I was there, Fran, I did that, you know, I was going to say, not, did that ever happen to you where you found out game day that you had to go in? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, certainly there were injuries in game. Yeah, sure. In game. But you know, I, I went, three years in a row where I didn't start the opener, which either means I wasn't good enough in one-on-ones during camp or they had an established guy or whatever. But then I got my shot during the year and I started the rest of the games. Yeah. Oh, two, Oh, three, Oh, four. And then I had the back surgery and never started another regular season game in my career, a bunch of preseason ones, but no more regular season games. Um, Those guys need to be ready to go and able to play multiple positions. You know, I was always, ran the next guy in at center in both guards. And then I was the second guy in at both tackle spots, uh, which never happened in a regular season game. I definitely played some tackle snaps in preseason games, but never happened in a regular season game that I had to get out there and play at tackle. But I was the next guy. I was one snap away, a bunch. And uh, it's a little bit different now because the Eagles, they dress eight guys, so they've got sort of uh, guys ready to roll. But I was just impressed with what the Eagles backups did. And something to keep in mind, I say this every year during the preseason games, because a lot of these guys get a bunch of snaps in those preseason games. These are the guys that end up having to play valuable roles in December, in January. The Eagles were kind of uncommonly healthy last year for the Super Bowl. And I think we'll see, you know, these guys getting some starts and some playing time here in December. I do think the rotation of the D-line is interesting, Fran. I'm a little bit surprised at the edge that they haven't given Nolan Smith and Brandon Graham maybe a few more snaps than they have. A lot of snaps for Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, you know if that changes as the year progresses. But uh, we're starting. I mean, it's uh, it's almost December, uh, so we're kind of uh, getting to that point where you'd like that rotation uh, to continue up front. Um, I think this is topical too, uh, especially sp- speaking about the defensive line, because our question uh, from a fan this week comes from Twitter. Uh, JD uh, asked, realistically, how hard is the turnaround for the guys on defense after playing so many snaps on Sunday against the Bills, especially after last week's short week? So uh, again, the Eagles played on. Monday night on the road in Kansas City two weeks ago, uh, and then they come back for a home game on a holiday week. They play Buffalo. Defensively, they play 97 snaps. And, you know, there were guys like Reed Blankenship who played a bunch of special teams as well. He played over 115 snaps, Reed Blankenship. How hard is it for those guys to then recover? Will that affect guys or can that affect guys uh, come Sunday? It can. Um, You know, the other thing too, Fran, is they, they probably didn't get back from Kansas City it was like Until, 3 a.m. Yeah, three, it was like 3, 3.30. Yeah, I mean, that is... So, essentially, they were a day and a half behind yep. the Bills from a mental and physical preparation standpoint, which probably explains the first half a little bit, Fran. 
yep. and makes that win even more impressive for the Eagles, the way they were able to come from behind and win that one. Um, I think that one of the things, and there's a lot of things that the Eagles organization does that's very impressive. And Fran, you've known me long enough to know that I said these things even before I was doing a lot of work for the Eagles organization. Like I've always said two of the most impressive organizations I've been around were the Ravens and the Eagles, just the way they go about things. You know, I think the Eagles sports science and nutrition department is really, really impressive. And I bring that up because I think they'll probably have a really good feel for all the snaps that those guys played. So you and I are recording this on a Wednesday. Wednesday, they're just going to have a walkthrough, um, not like a real practice. I'll be curious to see what they do Thursday and Friday. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if because of that increased snap load, if Sirianni doesn't go out of his way to try to do everything he can do on his end to make sure those guys are fully rested, fully recharged for what promises to be an absolute battle on Sunday against the Niners team that's coming off 10 days rest, yep. having played on Thursday night. And also next week you play against Dallas and they'll be coming off rest because they're playing on Thursday night football, right? So you're gonna you have two straight weeks against teams uh, that have that extra rest. I, I think that when you look at uh, look at that, I think that that is certainly a big thing to keep in mind here uh, for this Eagles team. And, and to, as you mentioned, like, they they are uh, have always been cognizant of taking care of their guys throughout the course of the week. Uh, Ross, we're gonna be breaking it down uh, next week. Obviously, a big game on Sunday for the Philadelphia Eagles. We got another big one next week. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Eagles. Line the Sky podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, friend. What's this matchup look like from the other side? It's time to find out in full focus. All right, really excited to welcome back to the show a guy who's been on numerous times before. That's Eric Crocker. You could follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. Locked on 49ers podcast. Knows this San Francisco team inside and out. Does some draft coverage as well. Excellent follow if you want to learn more about defensive back play. A lot of ground you can cover here uh, with Mr. Crocker. Croc, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me on. Big week, huh? Big yeah, week, big- a little extra <laughs> juice going. Well, a little extra juice. I was going to save this for later, but I want to ask you. You obviously you you've been around players. You've played the game. There's been the San Francisco has talked a lot about January's game, right? And they've talked a lot about this game. Do you feel like that's like is it too much? Are you you being on that side of it? Uh, do you feel like all of the attention that they've paid throughout the entire calendar year, like through the off season, through the summer, getting into the season, guys are still talking about it. Like, uh, do you feel like that's healthy? Is it too much? Or do you feel like it's it's warranted given how January went down? I think the toughest thing is the the context of it, right? If you're asked, especially like players, and and a lot of it was surrounding the Super Bowl, right? So you're fresh off of the L. And every media platform they went on, everyone asked them, how do you think you would have done if your quarterback played the whole game? (laughs) You know, so these guys who are competitive and, you know, remember where the 49ers were at that time. It was a team that was rolling, right? I think they won... 9, 10, 11, 12 straight games, something crazy yep. like that. And they go into the game probably super confident. And then and on the second drive, boom, you lose your quarterback. And you know, like everybody, you know, you you try to stay competitive. You try to figure it out. You saw the defense start pressing. But from the time Brock got hurt, you know the game is over. 
And you almost feel kind of cheated out of a like a real opportunity. So I think when they were asked about it in the offseason or uh, you know around the Super Bowl, they were definitely salty about it. But I always go back to they were asked about it. Like I, I didn't see now, maybe I could be wrong, but I didn't see them unprovoked, like just like bring it up. You right. know, like, you know, you know what, by the way, if we would have brought, we would have won, you know, <laughs> it, it, it felt like it always was like a question. And anytime you come off a loss, it's going to come off as salty. So um, I haven't heard too much of it as of late. And, um, you know, I'm curious to see them uh, just uh, get, get after it, see how they see how they respond to that. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, you want to play with emotion, don't let emotion play with you kind of things. It'll be interesting to follow to see just how this game plays out, uh, if that's something that does come up uh, throughout the course of the game. But let's dive into this matchup because a lot to cover, like I said, uh, and we will start on the San Francisco offensive side of the football. You're going to wear your Kyle Shanahan hat as the offensive coordinator in this game. What's the biggest strength for this team? You're looking at your offense. What gives you the most faith that you're going to get a win on Sunday? Uh, Leaning on the ground game. All right, leaning on the ground game. And I think that's where everything starts for the 49ers. Uh, They are not a team that has this terrific drop back passing offense, but they do function extremely well passing the ball, uh, especially with Brock Purdy at quarterback. But it all stems from being able to run the ball and then use the threat of the ball, uh, running the ball to set up the open, gaping passing windows where, you know, everybody says Kyle Shanahan, he's this genius and whatnot. I think a lot of it is, man, he has a really good run scheme. And the passing comes off of the run scheme. So uh, if Kyle is going to win this game, he's going to go in there knowing we have to establish a threat of the rushing attack to be able to open up those windows for the passing attack. So, But it starts with the run and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier this week with Greg Cosell is that, you know, Kyle Shanahan is someone who is going to stick with the run game as well. Like, even if it's not hitting early, uh, they get in the third quarter, fourth quarter. If, they, if this game is still within striking distance, even if the Eagles are ahead by, you know, seven points, 10 points, 13 points, like the run game is still going to be a factor with this offense. They're not going to bail away from it uh, at first glance. Well, the, the the thing is, I don't know if they can. Yeah. function outside of that you know yep. so it's almost like he kind of has to stick to it uh, this team w- regardless of how many terrific weapons they have is not set up to be this team that just like okay you know what let's just without the threat of the run we're going to throw the ball 40 times like that is not the 49ers so you'll see times where brock does throw the ball more but typically that's still because they're still the using the threat action. of yep. the run game yep. so sure. even if they only run the ball they could say you know, 15 times in this game, which won't happen. They'll run more than that. But let's say if they only ran the ball 15 times. Even with all the passing, it's coming off of run fakes, play action, then throwing screens, play action, get the ball out, or long extended handoffs, right? Like throwing screens or swing routes to uh, Christian McCaffrey. So, uh, you know, you kind of brought up them sticking to the run. I don't know what this offense looks like if they scrap the run and just say we're just going to throw the ball all game because that's not the 49ers which a part of it is why they don't really come from behind in games that's a big reason why uh kyle you look at his record and he has like zero wins when entering the game down seven or more like it's like ridiculous it's a crazy stat uh, that's floating around out there. But I think it's because of how he's built this offense and the philosophy of it. So uh, you will see them stick with the run as, lo- as long as they can. 
Yeah, I think it's a, a fascinating dynamic just because of what the Eagles have done so far this year. You know, last year, uh, I remember the the, uh, the big thing where the Eagles jumped out to these huge leads, and then in the second half, it was run game, run game, run game, right? You pass to get ahead, you run away, or run with the ball to uh, to to seal the win. Uh, this year, it's kind of been the opposite, where the first half, they haven't been able to, to hit on all cylinders offensively, and then they play nearly flawless football, uh, oftentimes in the second half, and they come back and they win football games. The, the come-from-behind victories have been crazy for Jalen Hurts. He's won eight straight games where the team has been down by double-digit points, and that's an NFL record. I think the next closest has been four uh, by, a, by a quarterback since they started charting that stat. It's insane. So, uh, you know, kind of putting that in that prism, what is your viewpoint of Brock Purdy? Obviously, uh, so much talked about nationally with him and, you know, how he stacks in the quarterback uh, rankings and, and how, do you view, how do you view Brock Purdy as someone who watches him closely every week? You know, I think like the rest of the league, we're, you know, a lot of us have been trying to process what exactly is really going on, right? I mean, just uh, when you look at it on paper, he's playing as well, if not better, than most quarterbacks in the NFL. He's playing at a very high level. How much of it is predicated off of Kyle Shanahan? How much of it is the weapons that he has around him? You know, like yep. just an embarrassment of riches with, you know, how this is with Philly. You guys have, you know, I know Dallas Goddard's hurt, but, you know, when he's out there, you got Goddard, you got AJ, you got Devontae Smith, you got Swift, who is a threat out the pass, uh, in the passing game as well. Uh, you know, he has an embarrassment, embarrassment of riches offensively. And um, I think he does a terrific job of trusting what Kyle has structured for him. So his game is really predicated on timing and rhythm. He typically wants to get the ball out of his hands when that back foot hits the ground. And he's seeing the field extremely well. Uh, I've gone on record of saying it will be hard. And again, I understand the weapons. I understand Kyle Shanahan and all that. But it will be very hard to find a quarterback that is functioning better in their offense than Brock is functioning in the 49ers offense. So uh, I, I, it's not that he's like this, uh, you know, power thrower. You see, is you don't see like a lot of like, Oh man, every game you just see these five or six wild throws. Josh Allen, you know, I just watched the Eagles beat the Bills. But even within that game, you just see some throws that he was able to make in the in the rain, yep. in the conditions, where it's just like, wow, like this is a special thrower of the football. You're probably not gonna say that about Brock. But the one thing that I think he does that is special is just trust the system, understand his strengths and his weaknesses, and be efficient at an extremely high level. So uh, as far as Brock goes, that's how I view him. I think other people might view him as like the second coming of J uh, Joe Montana. Maybe he'll be that. Yeah. But um, right now, I will say that he is functioning extremely high in this Kyle Shanahan offense. I'm glad you put it that way because honestly, like I, that's why I – I, I try not to get in too involved with like quarterback stacking uh, discourse because uh, to me, it's like you put these guys into buckets and it's like at any, you, at any point you can shuffle that bucket up and depending on how guys are playing, that's how they're going to get stacked. Uh, I don't think that Brock Purdy is in that, like that elite tier of the quarterback position. Right. But uh, you know, people will point to obviously the supporting cast and the system and say, Oh, well, if you took him out of that, like, would it, would he be the same? Guess what? Like Sunday, Sunday afternoon at 420, he's in that system. So that, that's what you got to deal with. That's what you have to contend with. Uh, and that's what all teams on the schedule have to contend with is what, what that quarterback is doing within the structure of the system. And as you said, I mean, he's executing this offense at a really high level. You know, you know EPA per drop back, all the different metrics. Uh, this offense is operating at a really high clip. And uh, Brock Purdy is a, one of the one of the big reasons why. And so you have to obviously deal with that uh, coming Sunday. So uh, that's one thing. Yep, I do want to add one thing to that. The one thing, because I thought Jimmy Garoppolo functioned 
at yeah. a high level in his For offense. Sure. Uh, I th- I would say the thing that is taking this to the next level. One, Brock is hitting more downfield shots. Yeah. Where where he just feels more comfortable throwing to the guys down the field or whatnot. Um, that's definitely happening. And also his ability to make plays off script, which you didn't really get from from Jimmy. So yeah. um, that added element as well has really helped. Now you won't mistake him for like a top five player in the sense of just ability, right? Like whether it's like the big arm, the power throws, things like that. Like he's not doing that, but whatever it takes to, to make a play work, he does that. However that works for him. So it's really hard to like kind of fathom this because we've been conditioned so much to think that an elite quarterback looks or plays a certain way. And you're kind of having to reshape, that with him we'll see if this is sustainable but he has made me kind of view it like a different way where you can have this guy that you know is six foot six foot one 220 pounds doesn't have a big arm but just figures out a way to make a play work and and that's what he's done at a high level yeah, I went through uh, some of his numbers in the last segment of the show, but one number I did not share that I just saw that throughout the research, to your point, is that uh, on throws down the field, I, th- I want to say it's like 15 plus, according to Next Gen Stats, uh, he's got the best adjusted completion percentage uh, of every bu- of every quarterback in football, of all the starting quarterbacks. And so uh, you talk about like the accuracy downfield, the ability to hit on some of those explosives, that is certainly an element uh, that he brings to the table. Let's go to the other side of the football. Uh, you're going to put on your Steve Wilkes hat as the defensive coordinator. Biggest strength on defense. This feels pretty cut and dry. It has to be the front seven (laughs) for the 49ers. Uh, And, you know, I think a lot of people, when you think of the 49ers, you think of defensive line, you think of some of the guys that have up front. And, of course, because, you know, they put a lot of resources there. We got Hargraves over from the Eagles. Uh, You have Nick Bosa, and we know how well that he can play and and really turn it on. But I think his defense is kind of led by their linebackers, Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw. You know, those guys are kind of the heartbeat and soul of the defense. They fly around, they make plays, they hit guys, you know, they're taking the ball away. And then it almost feels like the defensive line kind of feeds off of them. The secondary feeds off of them. Uh, This this is a team that only goes as far as their D-line goes. So, you know, we saw during the three-game losing streak, there was one thing that was consistent. Man, They weren't really finishing at the quarterback. So I think that yep. will be the biggest key in this game. Uh, obviously, you have those guys. I talked about Warner and, and Greenlaw and how great they are at the linebacker position. But you got to get Jalen Hurts down. You got to move him off of his spots. And anytime I've watched Eagles game and it starts to look a little weird, it starts off like that. And again, it hasn't ended like that. They've always figured out ways to end. That's a different topic. I think the 49ers have to improve on. But starting off some of these games, whether it was the Chiefs game or the Bills game, when you start to kind of move him off of his spot, kind of send pass rush a certain way, I think that's the only thing I've really seen that kind of flusters uh, Jalen Hurts a little, a guy that's playing at an MVP level. Uh, So early on in games, I've seen teams have some kind of success doing that. The 49ers have to be able to do that for four quarters. Yeah, and that's what's fascinating is the you know during that three game stretch there was a lot talked about with the defense and you know, we're gonna move Steve Wilkes from the booth down to the field and oh you know what's this defense looking like but as I'm getting ready for this game and I'm looking at all the metrics I mean this is this is a group that's first in points per game they're fourth in EPA per play they're second in touchdown drive percentage they're fifth in pressure rate like they're in the top five in almost every passing category right like all the things that a lot of people would point to as saying like yeah like this is where you want to be able to rank uh, in terms of uh, defensive ability they're in the bottom 
bottom third in third down percentage. And like, that's like one area. Like, all right. Like they, they haven't been great there. The Eagles have been excellent on third down. So that's something certainly to watch here, but has there been anything else outside of like the finishing at the quarterback? Cause the difference, the, the difference between like pressure rate and sack rate is certainly substantial. Is that, was that basically it? Like, was there anything else that this defense was kind of suffering at during that, that uh, losing streak? I think they played against two terrific quarterbacks. Uh, Joe Burrow, he was just on fire that game. Kirk yep. Cousins, he was on fire. Yep. And I felt like Steve Wilkes was being scapegoated. That, that's yeah. what, to yep. me, this is an offensive-driven league. And as well as you want to play defense, you want to be good, all that, it really comes down to can you just score more points in your opposing, opposing team? And during those two games where people literally wanted Steve Wilkes fired, he gave up 22 points yep. and 31 points. Yep. Like, we're not talking about a team. Like, I just watched. It's 2023. He yeah. gave up thir- 34 points to, to Buffalo yep. in, in the rain. And you know what my thing was? All right, that team scored 34. Well, guess what? They scored 37 and they won. Like, yep. so, <laughs> and it's whatever. Okay, now you start over the next week. So, I thought that Wilkes was being scapegoated. I thought that he actually has done a, a really good job defensively. I think this team is well coached up. But I did think for a two-game stretch there, you know, I know they lost three straight. I didn't think the defense played bad against the uh, uh, Cleveland Browns. But the offense, like in three straight games, they only scored 17 points. Yep. And when your defense maybe is having a tougher time stopping teams like they were with Kirk Cousins and uh, like they were with uh, Joe Burrow, can the offense figure out a way to kind of pick up the pieces? I've seen Philly do that several times. The 49ers are yet to be able to do that. They've blown teams out. And yep. when they're not blowing teams out, they lost three straight <laughs> because, yep. oh man, the defense isn't playing amazing. Like now all of a sudden we have to, uh, you know, we got to carry the defense or, you know, we got and it up, oh, can't do it. Right. And I don't know if that's because of Brock. I think for the most part, he's played well, has some late game turn, uh, turnovers in some of those games, but you you, t- you brought up those stats defensively. I think the 49ers defense plays good football. Uh, mm-hmm. It's on the offense to be more consistent, which they have most of the year, at just helping them when maybe they aren't playing great. Uh, let's go to uh, Kyle Shanahan now, the head coach. You put on your head coach hat. What's his biggest concern? What, what is he most worried about going in his game for his side? You know, I I think you he's probably looking at the defense and saying, can you be better on third down? You talked about the 49ers being bottom third. And yep. third down stops. If there's anything that's going to hurt this team, especially against a team like that, that can really pour points on you in the Philadelphia Eagles, with both of these teams, I think that if I'm not mistaken, they average the same amount of points offensively 28.2 points per game for the Eagles, 28.2 points per game yep. for the 49ers. Yep. So uh, 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 when you're playing against a team that can score, you want to try to figure out different ways to win on third down, whether it's offensively or defensively. But I do think this for whatever reason, this team is still kind of driven by the defense. So you got to get the third down stops and get Philly off of the field. Uh, if the 49ers can't do that, uh, I think that Kyle's mind starts going haywire a little bit with his play calling, and it gets a little weird. Well, Croc, what's the most pivotal matchup uh, on Sunday in your mind? If you're looking like position group, versus position group, player versus player, uh, what's the biggest matchup? Philly's offensive line against 49ers defensive line. Like, yeah. uh, Philly's offensive line plays exceptionally well. Um, they play really good. They they allow the quarterback to be comfortable and, and enough and, and make plays. And then it starts to open up the run game. And I know Swift, um, as you know, for the first half, didn't have a great game. You saw him start to, you know, pick it up in the second half, rip off some long runs. Uh, I think it's going to be that offensive line. And can the 49ers figure out ways, again, to move Hurts off of his spot? Can you make him a little uncomfortable? I know he's running right now. He'll pick up yards. 
He's not like as dynamic. He's a little hampered. I know he has like a knee injury and whatnot going on. So uh, force him to, you know, win that way, which he might feel comfortable doing that regardless of being a little banged up with the knee. But move him off of his spot. You can't let him drop back and be a terrific passer and them gas you on the ground. Like you can't have that. So uh, see if you can move him make it a little bit more difficult, Make maybe make them one-dimensional. And then from there, the 49ers are really good against the run. Uh, and I think that would be the recipe for the 49ers to win. But it starts with Bosa, Chase Young, Hargraves, Armstead. Y'all got to win up front. Yeah, honestly, that was an area where I thought the Eagles dominated in January was at the line of scrimmage on offense, uh, moving those guys off the ball in the run game. I mean, some of the movement they got uh, in that game was outstanding. They got Bosa on the ground numerous times. They got Kinlaw off his spot. Obviously, he's more of a backup now, but uh, I think that that's an area where the Eagles won in January. Look to try and do it 11 months later. Croc, thanks so much for joining us once again. For everybody out there, if you want to learn a little bit more about this team and this game, this matchup, make sure you go check out the Locked On 49ers podcast. Croc, we'll talk to you again soon, man. All right. Thanks for having me on. Always great catching up with Eric Crocker. Thanks to him once again. Now, we already heard from Kevin Batulo this week on Eagles Game Plan, but let's get to the rest of our analysis from John Clark and Ike Reese and Mike Quick, Greg Cosell. I couldn't fit all of this into the 30-minute show of Eagles Game Plan. We are, we are constrained by commercials in, uh, in our linear TV traditionally, right? So all the extra stuff that's on the cutting room floor, I saved it here for you. It's time now for our Eagles Game Plan crew. G. Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive minds in all of football. A great play designer, knows how to scheme guys open. Seems like for years they've been trying to find the right guy under center to run his offense. They find a guy with the last pick in the draft in Brock Purdy. Some would look at him as a game manager. You think he's a little bit more than that. Talk to us a little bit about Brock yeah. Purdy and his importance to this 49ers offense. No, I'm glad you said that, because everybody thinks that great quarterbacks are the quarterbacks that kind of run around now. And, and obviously, that's great if you can do that. We see how important that is. You know, we see Jalen Hurts make that throw to Zacchaeus. Quarterbacks that can move are great. But it's a high-level trait when you can throw with great timing and anticipation. I could show you a number of plays where he starts his delivery and you wouldn't know who he's throwing the ball to because the receivers haven't even started their break yet. And then he puts it right on their hands. I mean, you know how difficult that is to start a throw before a break and still put it right on their hands. That is a really high-level trait. Purdy is really good at that, and he's so good at processing. He sees things, and he sees changes in coverage. He sees late rotation as quickly as any quarterback in the league. Yeah, now listen, we you talked about the athletic quarterbacks in the league, and Brock Purdy is never going to be confused for a guy like Jalen Hurts or right. Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. But I do think his athleticism is a little underrated. He does have the ability to use his legs when needed. You're 100% right. And by the way, that's added something to their offense because part of Kyle Shanahan's offense has always been boot action, as we saw in the play. And he wasn't really able to do much of that with Jimmy Garoppolo, who wasn't that kind of quarterback. And now that he is Brock Purdy, he's able to do much more of that. And that adds another dimension to what they do offensively in the pass game, working off the run game because they create a lot of misdirection and flow problems for defenses. Well, the play that you design, it's a misdirection. It's a different flow, but it's just another way of getting to a three-level stretch type of yeah. play. That's exactly what it is. But when you look at uh, all of the things that they do, I think that one of the things is 
the, their ability to get the ball out quickly in the down and allow these great athletes to run after the catch a big part of their success. Oh, for sure. I've always believed to you that run after catch is a function of the quarterback more than receivers, um, because what they do is they get guys in space and Purdy puts it right on them. And that's the thing. They're able just to keep running. Uh, and that's so critical. But it's it's pretty remarkable how through the use of formation, motion, backfield actions, that they're able to get someone like Brandon Ayuk, who's terrific run after catch, they're able to get him the ball on quick slants, in-breakers, and there's room to run. Yeah, this 49ers offense and the Eagles offense both averaging 28 points a game. This is going to be a great matchup. Greg, we'll see you a little bit later on. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. And as you know, guys, Eagles have the best run defense in the NFL. The Bills got after it a little bit, but Christian McCaffrey, Best running back in the league, leads the NFL with 939 rushing yards. How can this Eagles defensive front and everybody slow him down? Well, you got to tackle well, right? Yeah. You know, Christian's a guy that he's not necessarily the biggest guy, so it's not like he's going to break a lot of tackles. They want to get him on the perimeter, but he's tough enough to run in between the tackles. And more important for the Niners, they will stay committed to the run game. So right. if you're the Eagles, it starts up front, winning the line of scrimmage, playing on their side of the ball. But I think more importantly, we got to be able to get off blocks, get off blocks and make tackles. They do a great job once they have the ball in their hands of picking up yardage. So we got to do a great job of tackling. I'm glad you mentioned him running between the tackles because I just think he's slippery. Yeah. You know, this guy, and you don't have to have a lot of space. He's able to just slide, just kind of ease his way through the traffic, running between the tackles. I think he's just so hard to hit and bring down. You're right. You got to get as Malcolm used to say population to the ball. Yeah. You got to get a lot of guys to the football. You got to tackle real well because this is the type of team that their skilled players can make you miss. They get a lot of yards after the catch. Oh, Ike, and the other thing is, you know how quickly the ball comes out sometimes. Yeah. And these guys are so skilled that when they get the ball early in the down, they can cause problems with the yak. Yeah, a, a staple of this Kyle Shanahan offense, get the ball out of Purdy's hands quick. You want to get to that first read whether it's Debo, whether it's Brandon Ayuk, whether it's George Kittle, those guys do a great job once they have it and yes. running. So Mike's right. The, the, the Yak, the Eagles are doing very good at being able to tackle this year. I think back to the Miami Dolphins game, and we were so worried about getting to the ball carriers or the receivers and making sure Tyreek Hill doesn't have these explosive plays. We did a great job in that game doing that. You're going to have to bring sort of that same mindset to this game when it comes to tackling these skill position guys on the outside. But can you do like that same game, take away the first read of Purdy? That's, yeah. that's going to be important. I think that's got to be the formula, right? It's try to make Brock Purdy go through his progressions, make him a little uncomfortable back there in the pocket. If you allow him to stay on, stay on rhythm, meaning he can get it out quick, right. then he doesn't have any worries. But if you take away that first read and he has to get through the second and third guy, that offensive line, not that left side with that future Hall of Famer over there, but there's some other guys on that offensive line that I think that we can exploit and possibly get to Brock Purdy, if not getting sacks, at least putting hits on him right. to make him think about it, much like what happened in that Miami game. And with the motion and the interchangeability of Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel as a defender, what are your responsibilities? Man, pre-snap <laughs> recognition. Yeah. You know, it's obviously going to start during the week in your preparation. 
because that's the one thing Kyle Shanahan likes to do. We talked about moving these guys around personnel-wise. You can see Christian out there playing wide receiver. You can see Debo in the backfield playing running back. Brandon Ayuk in the backfield. They like to do a lot of these things with their personnel guys, but it's primarily those five main guys. They just switch them around. So pre-snap recognition, great communication, and really just relying on your principles of the defense. Right. Don't think outside the box. Understand what the schemes are and what your responsibility is in there. And more importantly, trusting that your teammate is going to do his job, not trying to do too much. Don't panic when you don't see a guy necessarily lined up where you thought they would line up. Just understand the principles of the recognition of formation and then just rely on that to play the defense. This type of offense, it's so important that everybody recognizes Doing your job is going to be so key to the success because there's no one guy that you can key on and stop the 49ers offense because there's so many guys. You mentioned the interchangeable parts. All of these guys can do almost everything you want, guys. Even the tight end, if you want them in the backfield, the fullback. If you want them in the backfield, if you want to split them out wide, there's so many interchangeable parts Everyone has to do their job. And really, from the press box, you can see how much better the communication is with the Eagles' defense. You see Kevin Byard, Nick Morrow, those guys, a lot of talking yeah. before the snap. So I think that's good. The defense is becoming a lot more comfortable with the new players. You know what we used to say on defense? You get you facing an offense like this, don't keep secrets. Talk to everybody. <laughs> Let everybody know. If you see yeah. something, you recognize yeah. something, Talk. make sure you say it so that everybody's on the same page. And you're right, the verbal communication with this Eagles defense is getting better each week. And I think you're going to need it in the game like today. A loud defense is a good defense. Yeah. yeah. And I have to think about Yamade Lenore and Chavarius Ward, the cornerbacks. Yeah. How will they match up? And will A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith have opportunities? Because in those third down situations, they're going to get some man coverage and opportunities yeah. to beat man. No, you're, you're correct, Hugh. And that's where I think if you can protect well, that's where I think you're going to have some opportunities. Because they made a change a few weeks ago in their nickel secondary. They've now brought Thomas, um, who's, about, I think, a third-year player from Michigan. He now plays on the outside, and they bring Lenore inside. And, of course, Ward stays outside. He normally plays left corner, Ward. So they're going to have opportunities on the outside. Ward has flash plays, looks really good at times, but he can be beat. And so can Thomas. I mean, this is their best three in their nickel corner situation. But if you can protect, I think there will be opportunities for Brown and Smith on the back end here. Oh, it's going to be a good one. But the thing I'm looking at with that Eagles offense, last three games, 10 for 10 in the red zone, scoring touchdowns. Yeah. That is how you're going to beat this 49ers defense. Greg Cassell, nice job with everything this week. We'll see you next week. All right, guys. Thanks. All right, guys. With this defensive line with the 49ers, the linebackers, where is an area? that maybe the Eagles could attack? That's a good question, Isaiah. <laughs> well, I mean, here's, here's the thing. I think the 49ers defense is very good. I'm looking for an area that we could probably or try to exploit. It has to be the secondary. Yeah. You know, so we can protect up front against this 49ers pass rush. There's some opportunities on the outside with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith going up against Ward, who's their best cover corner. But there are some opportunities there to make some plays down the field. But I think it starts with the protection up front, giving Jalen Hurts the opportunities to throw the ball down the field. Yeah. Their defensive line is so good, they don't get tested as much down the field. You usually have to get the ball out of your hands quick. But if we can protect, I think there's some plays that can be made. A.J. Brown has been quiet the last two weeks. 
He's ready to bubble over and have a big game. So this is one of these games where I'm looking for that matchup, Brown versus Ward in this one. It's always the matchups. And when you look at Fred Warner, probably the best linebacker in football, especially in terms of coverage. But the Amador Lenore, when they move him inside in the slot, I think that's an area that the Eagles have to attack. On the back end is where the Eagles are going to make their hay. This, that team up front, they're so good. They're so hard to beat. And so now you've got Bosa and Young. They're reunited, these Ohio State guys, and they're playing excellent football. Hargrave in the middle. The defensive front, they're as good as any. But you're right. I think you have to attack on the outside, and there are going to be some opportunities, especially third downs when they go to some of their man coverages. You brought up um, Javon Hargrave. Obviously, he was here last year, a big part of what we did, helping getting that team to the Super Bowl. And now he's on that side. Playing yeah. against the Eagles. Familiar. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure he he's familiar with going up against Jason, Landon Dickerson, these guys. Even Cam Jurgens as a young player last year, he's had a chance to see our offensive line. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see how motivated he is in this game, what type of tips he may have been giving out going up against this offensive line. But we also know Javon, Javon Hargrave and areas that he may struggle in. So that's a nice little chess match between personnel that's familiar with each other. Might see a little bit more of those trap plays where you get Hargrave going up the field and you just ear him from the side. <laughs> and I Welcome tell you, home. And, and I tell you, watching DeAndre Swift against the Bills, I saw a little LaShawn McCoy there. And sometimes when he's able to make that cut, bounce it to the outside, how key is that when you're facing such a fast defense like the Niners? Well, Greenlaw and Fred Warner – to me, are the best duo of linebackers in football. Right. You talk about the speed, the ability to run sideline to sideline, chase guys down. You're going to need a back like DeAndre Swift that can make people miss in a phone booth. Yep. These guys are short tacklers, but when you got a guy that's shifty as DeAndre Swift is, that can make players miss in those tight spaces, that's what you kind of need against this type of defense because there's going to be some extra yardage there to be had, but you got to earn it, man. And DeAndre Swift, over the last two weeks, I think has been running hard. He's been making guys miss. And you mentioned it earlier, John. He's had big runs in these games late to kind of change the momentum. He certainly had a big run last week versus Buffalo that I thought helped get us back on track offensively. And be sure to check out Eagles Game Plan if you live in the Philadelphia area, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. on NBC10. Or if you can't wait for that, Saturday morning on N- or on uh, the Eagles YouTube page, you can go check out uh, Eagles Game Plan. Or you can check it out on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, wherever you get your Eagles content. Great stuff there from Mike and Ike and John and Greg. Thanks to them as always. And thanks to all of you as well for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our X's and O's content here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.